In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello, and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. But we don't only bring you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. We have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In our series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you can't listen to us live, then don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify. Just put Leadership Beyond Borders into the browser and you'll find us all over the web. I also invite you to connect with me. Please tell me what your thoughts and insights are and what kind of things you want to hear about on this show. Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to the website leadershipbeyondborders.net. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to what we're going to talk about today. So, you know, this is a question I always have too, is why do most businesses make their organizations so complex. Now, there's a there was a new study just recently by the Economist Intelligent Unit that said 55% of all surveyed organizations would call their operational structure very or extremely complicated. Now, I just had this experience myself, okay, with a government and organization trying to find out where you get certain information, okay, um, and it was just so complicated. I couldn't even figure out. But in this study also, they said that only 1%, which was around three of 331 executive respondents, believed their business was not complex at all. So why do we do this to ourselves? Is there an w- easier way to do business? In this episode today, we're going to speak with an expert on organizational structures and try to dissect why they are like they are and how we can simplify them. Our guest today is Henry Mintzberg, and he is the author uh, and co-author of 21 books. His latest book is Understanding Organizations, Finally, Structuring in Sevens. 
And Henry is a Cleghorn Professor of Management Studies at McGill University in Montreal and the winner of awards from the most prestigious practitioners and academic institutions in management from Harvard Business Review to the Academy of Management and the recipient of 21 honorary degrees from around the world. He is a co-founder and remains active in the International Master's Program for Managers and International Masters for Health Leadership as well as Venture Coaching. So, Henry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kimberly. A pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, just, um, just, just a quick question. Now, you, you, you published a while ago your first book, um, Structuring of Organizations, and then you did a shorter version, Structure in Fives, and and now you have this new version, Structuring in Sevens. Okay. First of all, what started you to even get interested in and in trying dissect organizations? Well, you know, we live in organizations. We were born in organizations called hospitals. We were buried by organizations. We're entertained by them. We're harassed by them. Um, They're a huge part of our lives. And yet, ironically, uh, we know so little about them. You know, if you want to find out about yourself, you can go and get 50 books in any bookstore. And if you want to find out about the economy, which is macro and ourselves are micro, uh, then you can read blogs and newspapers. But where do we go to find out how our organizations work? You know, so I tried this in 1979. It was my most successful book, um, but not successful enough. So here we are again. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, okay, you're right. You know, I never thought about that. You know, you're right. There's organizations just surround us all the time. But, you know, is there is there a one definition for organization? An well, organization. Yeah, because yeah. you isolate it. So, you know, my fancy definition is is uh, is collective action for common mission, which is a complicated way of saying uh, how we get things done together formally. Um, that's what organizations are, whether it's to, uh, uh, you know, whether it's to uh, eat in a restaurant or get our, uh, our laptops or whatever it is. Um, and and, and uh, they're everywhere and they're all around us. And yet the, the real problem is we mix them all up. Just, just to say, you say we mix them all up. So how do we mix them all up? Well, there's a uh, there was a famous professor of healthcare management at the Harvard Business School who referred to hospitals as focused factories. Well, do you want your gallbladder taken out by a focused factory? Um, <laughs> you know, I don't, you can't run healthcare the way you run uh, uh, medicine. Uh, uh, sorry, the, I'll start there. You can't you can't run healthcare the way you run uh, uh, McDonald's. It's it's. Uh, mm-hmm. They're, they're completely different. You know, at the beginning, you talked about um, this 1% of companies and and uh, so complicated. The company's not so complicated. It's the structure that's so complicated. And ironically, what I've been doing this morning is uh, is writing a, an op-ed piece about uh, healthcare reform in Quebec. And I refer to the great divide between just plain delivering healthcare services on the ground. We know what those are. We know what the operations are. We know what the interventions are. And the government keeps reorganizing and reorganizing and driving everybody crazy. Um, and that's complicated. 
Well, isn't it because, I mean, just think about for a second. You, I, I love, you know, collective action for, a, you know, a common good or a common mission, okay? But when we, when we talk about organizations, we don't really think about the collective action, the common mission. We, thought, we think about charts or, or you know, I, the first thing that comes into organizational chart, okay? And you talk in your book a little bit about, you know, organizational charts have gone viral, but not with you. So why are we so prone to, to, to not think about the common mission, but to think about the structure? Well, first of all, think of, think of what you get in a chart. You know, all you, all you get to understand is who reports to whom, as if that's the only thing that matters. It matters. It matters who your boss is and matters who you sit next to or who you're, who you're working with. Um, but there's a heck of a lot more to organizations than charts. There's there's all kinds of complex communications and interactions and relationships and and you know all, all sorts of things. So so charts don't help us uh, beyond very limited knowledge. Uh, you know, I mean, but even if they don't help us, I guess my question, Henry, is that we're so we're so in this kind of we're just so used to them and we think of them rather than the common good and then and then you think of you know legacy companies and i'm going to use like the the automobile industry that it may be very hierarchical or chart oriented even though you know they're trying to work for the common mission and then companies you know all of a sudden came google and some more technology focused who's who said you know our organizations are more fluid and flexible so um you know uh, uh, is there really a difference between the uh, the newer companies, technology companies, and the older legacy companies when it comes to organizations? Yes, yes, there are there are key differences. Google is not like General Motors, uh, obviously, but but you know we're fixated formally on the charts, and yet when we function, uh, we take that into account. We talk about our bosses and, and so on and so forth, but we talk a lot more about what we're doing, who we're working with, what projects we're on, and so on. Uh, Google is a much uh, Google is a high technology company. Uh, General Motors obviously uses a lot of fancy technology to build its cars, uh, but but Google is a much higher technology company in terms of what it does. Daily, a lot of what happens in General Motors is assembling cars. It's all fairly straightforward. Google is constantly undertaking new projects, new ideas, new approaches, um, and it's got to reorganize every time it's doing something new or, or fixing something that's not good. General Motors does some of that, but but Google does one heck of a lot more of that. Um, and, and, and that means the chart matters more where people are in very standard program structured jobs like assembling automobiles uh, compared to engineers working in teams at Google trying, trying to figure out how to come up with some new software or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and how, what's the impact does that have on, on innovation? Because, I mean, General Motors is very innovative, though. So does it impact innovate? Does the organizational structure actually impact innovation in some of these companies? Yes, but uh, I wouldn't call General Motors a very innovative company. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, I still have nowhere to put garbage or Kleenex or whatever in my car. 
I say yet to figure. Do you know anybody who ever drives a car without generating a bit of garbage, and yet there's nowhere to put it? It's not a particularly innovative company. It's innovative in certain ways and so on, uh, but not compared to say an iPhone. Look what was going on in Apple with the creation of the iPhone. That's innovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so Henry, we're we're gonna take we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, I want to talk about in your book. You talk about like there's four primary forms of organizing, and I'd like to explore those, and you know where they are most prevalent, and kind of you know what the what the advantages or challenges in those different primary forms are. But we're gonna take a short break right now. And for our listeners, our guest today is Henry Mintzberg, and he is the author and and co-author of 21 books. His latest book is Understanding Organizations Finally, Structuring in Sevens, okay? And he is Cleghorn Professor of Management Studies at McGill University in Montreal and the winner of awards from one of the most prestigious academic institutions, including Harvard and the Academy of Management. And he is the recipient of 21 honorary degrees. Now, if you'd like to reach out to Henry, you can reach out to him on www.mintzberg.org. You can also reach out to him on www rebalancingsociety.org and he's also on LinkedIn under Henry Mintzberg and on Twitter at Mintzberg141 so please reach out to Henry and this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing uh, nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual uh, pieces of training, conferences, market research, do legislative white papers focused on digital. They also have a learning series on Thursdays, uh, 1700 CET time, and they have live conferences. Their next live conference is October 22nd to 25th in Porto, Portugal. And they also have a, a fantastic e-learning platform for entrepreneurs and founders, and it's free. Um, It takes founders and entrepreneurs from idea to exit, and you can access that by going to www.cinda.org. So with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Say It Skillfully is my radio show about being who you are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. I'll help you find the right words to tackle any challenging conversation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. You'll learn how to achieve success on your terms and be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in your life. Check out SayItSkillfully.com for practical resources, including my 90-second videos, real-life examples showing you how to speak up skillfully. I invite you to call in with your questions. Join me live every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. And no, I'm cheering for you. Tune in each week for The Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? 
Find out by listening to the Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making more money for you. Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today our guest is Henry Mintzberg, and he is the author or co-author of 21 books. And his latest book is Understanding Organizations Finally, Structuring in Sevens. And he is a Cleghorn Professor of Management Studies at McGill University in Montreal and the winner of many awards from prestigious institutes such as Harvard and the Academy of Management. And he's also the recipient of 21 honorary degrees. So, um, Henry, we've been, you know, you're expert in organizations. And um, in your book, you talk about um, four primary forms of organizing. So can you can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure. So I call them personal prof, personal program, professional and project um, or more slightly more elaborately personal enterprise, uh, program machine, professional assembly and project pioneer. Um, if you take restaurants, for example, because you can have examples of restaurants in each of them, a personal restaurant would be a corner greasy spoon where the boss is into everything, right? Mm-hmm. Focuses on the owner, the boss. Uh, program machine is obviously uh, fast food, McDonald's, all that. You know, the amazing thing about McDonald's is that they have us programmed as customers. <laughs> you know, I mean, we clear our tables. You know? yep. Everything is programmed, including the customer. Um, a professional assembly would be hospitals, universities, accounting firms, law offices, and so on. And uh, and the reason I call them an assembly is because they don't work much together. They work apart. Um, so, so, uh, so uh, you know, professors in the university each teach their own course and doctors, even, even doctors in an operating room with nurses and each other, don't speak to each other because they know exactly what to expect of each other. So mm-hmm. they're an assembly uh, more than a team. Uh, it's in the project pioneer that you get teamwork. That's where the experts work very closely together. Uh, by the way, a professional assembly would be a, a gourmet restaurant and a project pioneer would be a, uh, a catering, for example, where you where you customize the, uh, the meal according to your client. Um, so that's the fourth one is a project organization, uh, high tech back to Google. Uh, that's why Google would be much more project and, uh, and, um, I forget what we compared it with, but oh, general motors would be much more program. 
So, I mean, in these things, obviously, you're going to have challenges or, you know, um, and opportunities for each one. And, and you, you you talk a little bit about there. We kind of say, you know, the, the machine organization, the program machine is quite efficient, whereas project organization may be a little bit less efficient. So, um, if you're looking at one of these, let's take the, the professional assembly, okay, um, like a hospital, university, how, how do you work with that organization to ensure that organization actually does try to work together as teams because hospitals, you know, do have to, you know, people have to talk to each other, you know, they, they have to get things done. I mean, with an organization like that, uh, how do you get it to work as efficiently as possible? Well, it's interesting because it's a bit of a, a contradiction in a way that, <clears throat> that, uh, that they have, that they, their great strength is their great weakness too, because mostly they work apart. Mostly, you know, when I go teach a course, uh, a session in strategy, I'm in the class alone usually, and professors of marketing are not there. Um, but I may make comments about marketing because I know what they're doing, just as they may make comments about strategy because they know what I'm doing. But we don't necessarily have to coordinate very tightly. The, the irony, the problem is when we do have to coordinate, we're very reluctant to do so. And physicians are famous for this. You know, physicians' idea of coordination is you scribble a few words, or maybe now it's on laptop, but you scribble a few words on a piece of paper and pass it to a consultant or a specialist who scribbles a few words back, and that's coordination. But, but that doesn't help for complex problem solving. If somebody's got an illness that's very complicated, nobody can figure out what the heck's going on. Either they just kind of reject you and say, look, we can't deal with you, or they have to get together as a team. And typically they're reluctant to do that because that's not the way the organization is structured. It's not the way they work. Uh, whereas in a project organization, like an advertising agency or a film company, they're used to working very, very closely together and responding to the actors who are performing a particular scene one way or another and the actors are responding to the director and you know it's all interactive even the even the writer might be there kind of rewriting the the uh, the script a bit uh, as they go on very different mm -hmm. from program from a from a professional assembly so do you think you know uh, change change management okay if i'm looking at like um um the program machine um my first just gut reaction would be change management in a, in a organization like that would be very difficult i mean um am i stereotyping a little bit in that or or does is that Reinclude. Um, can you talk about that? You know, change management in relation to some of these. The stereotyping works perfectly. Uh, look, I'm I'm talking to you on an iPhone. That's a machine. Uh, I can't use it to heat the house. Uh, <laughs> I can't change it to heat the house. I can't even change it to uh, to say um, use it as a loudspeaker because it doesn't go very loud. Now it can be done. Um, but it's easier to get a loudspeaker than to modify my iPhone to be a loudspeaker. So, so, so machines are made to do specific things. General Motors is made to produce cars. They can change it to produce electric cars, uh, just as McDonald's could could uh, was able to introduce egg McMuffin so people would come in for breakfast instead of just eating hamburgers. 
So mm-hmm. you can make modifications along the way, but major change, real, real re, uh, re, reframing change is not possible in these organizations. Whereas in the film business, they could be off changing the length of their films, the location of their films. They could be changing the whole concept of their films. Something becomes fashionable. So all of a sudden they start making films in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, just to stay on these four things for a minute, one of the things that just popped into my head is is um, organizations as they grow. Okay, and um, a, a kind of a, a a good example, like you know, you start out with a personal enterprise. You know, um, especially in startups, a, a group of entrepreneurs being together, working together, creativity together. You know, a small team. And then it starts to grow and it starts to form into probably a different form. It might be a project pioneer. It might be a professional assembly. Um, how, how does, you know, it, it, that's, that's a very difficult transition for organizations. And, um, you know, when you look at organizations and talk with them, h- how do you help organizations guide through this growth? Because they might be transferring into or forming into a different kind of organization. Yeah, well, my role as a as a writer of books is to inform people so they understand these things better, and then they'll be able to manage them better. So, as you say, organizations begin as personal enterprises, and I use the word enterprise to include social enterprises, even, even public sector departments, and not just business enterprises. They start there because typically you need to one person to bring it all together, come up with the new the original structure come up with a strategy, buy the facilities, hire the people. So things get very centralized around that individual. But as you say, as they grow, some stay that way, like the corner, you know, greasy spoon front, mm-hmm. um, or even entrepreneurial firms, as long as the founder is around. Um, but, but eventually they have to make a transition. Now, as you say, the transition is difficult. Well, yes and no. The transition of a hospital from a personal enterprise to a professional assembly is actually quite natural and quite easy because the minute the professionals come in, they know how to work. They know what to do. They don't need a new structure. Hospitals are all structured more or less the same way. So the transition is almost immediate. As long as the founder is there, he or she will have a lot of influence. But the organization is quite quickly transitioning into a personal and into a program into a a professional assembly now in a program machine that's where it's difficult because the the founder doesn't want to give up power uh, but the place is bigger and 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 analysts come in and controls are necessary and it can be a battle uh, until the founder leaves or 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 dies or 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 whatever but there may be a natural transition if you start a mass production company the boss may have a lot of influence, but it won't take long for those needs to arise. And either it'll be a battle or it'll happen, uh, you know, because the board decides to kick out the founder, which happens mm. sometimes too. happened to Steve Jobs, although that wasn't a happy transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, but when you when when these transitions come, one of the things you talk about in your book is that you know. Um, as you said, the the board kicks out the founder. That's a great example. Okay, you know people are behind the organizations, and and people very often have blinders on. Okay, um, how how do you get? 
people to have a better peripheral vision with the organization and to actually kind of keep the you know keep a wide view on the common goal when you're starting to go through these transitions well i think the best way to do it is to write books and then air them on voice of america that's by, <laughs> that's by far the best way to do it <laughs> look you can't you can't you can take a blinder off a horse but how do you take a blinder off a manager you know people are set in their ways they think things are supposed to be and very often the only way to change is to change the manager rather than get people to see things that they refuse to see that's why that's why you get new you know the 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 watch business wasn't changed by watch companies from you know to uh, to uh, quartz technology it was changed by people in other businesses uh, because people in their business are all caught up in making little gears and little movements to make watches turn Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so often it takes a, a very different mentality, um, different mindset. And you kind of you say in your book also that it's like playing, you know, putting these organization organizational design is like Lego or jigsaw. Um, that that's kind of a fun way to put it, but it makes it more complicated, doesn't it? Well, in in the in the original book, I had all kinds of details about all the different aspects of organizations, and you know, I laid out all the. You know, a span of control, which is really not span of control at all, but but uh, how you group people and job specifications and hierarchy and all that. I listed all that, and then I basically put them together into these kinds of forms. Okay, um, and then one of my doctoral students, very cleverly, who read all this, said, "Yeah, that's all well and good, but you're really playing jigsaw puzzle. You're not." playing lego in other words in other words you're putting all these pieces together maybe not in one way but in four ways four images um but don't you think you can play lego use these as independent pieces not lego the way it's become which is more like a three-dimensional jigsaw puzzle mm-hmm. up there but 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 lego the way it originally was and still is for some people which is to play with the parts and do all kinds of things so so I started to think about that and talk about in the book all kinds of hybrid structures. You know, a symphony orchestra is certainly a professional assembly, um, but it's also a personal enterprise because the conductor has a lot more power over the musicians than my dean has over me, for example. Uh, I shouldn't use that example. Maybe. <laughs> yes. okay. no, no. But it's true, yeah. I mean, the conductor has a lot of power, don't they? But, by the way, not the podium. Not yep. on the podium. Watch the conductor while he's she or he's here she waving the baton left and right. The position the musicians aren't looking at them. They're yeah. looking at their music sheets. And you know who's coordinating in a symphony? It's Tchaikovsky who's coordinating, mm-hmm. not Toscanini. Um, but but it's of course in rehearsals and all that that the conductor has a lot of influence. Yeah, yeah, really a great analogy, uh, Henry. We're going to take another uh, short break now, and for our listeners, our guest today is Henry Minsberg, and he's the author and co-author of twenty-one books. And his latest book is Understanding Organizations: Finally Structuring in Sevens. And I want to hear about what those sevens are, Henry, when we get back, and why before it was structuring in fives and now in sevens. And Henry is a Cleghorn Professor of Management Studies at McGill University, a winner of many prestigious awards and a recipient of 21 honorary degrees. And you can 
reach out to Henry on his website at www.mintzberg.org. And Mintzberg is M-I-N-T-Z-B-E-R-G. So go to www.mintzberg.org. He is also on LinkedIn under Henry Mintzberg. He is on Twitter at at Mintzberg141. And you can also go to rebalancingsociety.org to find Henry. So please reach out to him. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. One of the things Cinda has is a a e-learning platform for founders and entrepreneurs. And it takes you from startup to exit and you can build your own profile on that platform. So please go to www.cinda.org under Cinda for Startups to find that platform. They also hold conferences and the next conference is going to be held in October 22nd to 25th in Porto, Portugal. So please go to www.cinda.org to find out more about that. And we're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it and profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on finding certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. If you're looking to grow your money safely, reduce taxes and market risk, enhance returns on investments, reduce cost of borrowing, and safely create positive arbitrage, look no further than your personal bank. Your Personal Bank, hosted by Ference Tauf, is a financial concept that strategically integrates financial tools from the banking and insurance industries to continue growth on funds even when you access them for other purposes. Your Personal Bank, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. 
I'm Kimberly Lewis, and today we're talking with Henry Mintzberg, and he is the author and co-author of 21 books, and his latest book is Understanding Organizations, Finally, Structuring in Sevens, and Henry is a Cleghorn Professor of Management Studies at McGill University in Montreal, and he is the winner of many prestigious awards from Harvard to the Academy of Management, and is also the recipient of 21 honorary degrees from around the world. So, Henry, welcome. And, um, you know, we've been, we've great, great discussions on the, the content of your book, which is absolutely fantastic. And um, uh, professionals and managers should really pick up the one that I read, which was the last, last one. Um, question, structuring in sevens. Um, what does that mean? Where did, how, how did you get that? I think before you had structuring in fives, um, what, how did this book kind of, go from 1979 to now? Well, what, what I did was I, I focused, as we've done in our conversation, on four basic forms. Uh, there was a fifth one in the original book, but I relegated that to uh, one of three others. So, so these, are, these are not fundamental forms. They're more almost overlays or intrusions into the other forms. So one I call the divisional form, uh, like conglomerates, for example, where each uh, division may have its own form, but then there's an overlay of a of a divisional structure. Uh, I argue in the book that that overlay, because of its form of of usually financial controls, drives the divisions more to the machine form than to any other. Mm-hmm. And then another one I call the community ship. I like to use the word community ship in place of leadership um, because I think it's more important that organizations function effectively as communities. So I call one form, uh, another form, the community ship. It's like a ship that's offshore that's very tightly bonded, like a missionary organization, a religious organization, a kibbutz, those kinds of things, traditional kibbutz those kinds of things, very, very tightly integrated uh, and socially, uh, you know, through norms and culture and all that. But it's like a ship offshore that either stays to itself or launches its missile onto shore the way missionaries do to get uh, to get uh, adherence. Um, and then the fourth one, this, sorry, the seventh one I call the political arena, um, which is an organization that becomes so politicized that it can't do anything else. Um, culture or community and and politics can infuse uh, regular organizations too. So every organization has its share of politics, has its kind of culture, and some of them also have divisional structures. So we really end up with seven forms, but more importantly, seven forces, um, because each of the forms, you know, machine organization, the force is efficiency. A professional organization, the force is proficiency, and so on and so forth. Um, and the three other ones, uh, you know, uh, culture is a is a force, and politics is a force. So we can play Lego by playing with these seven forces, one way or another. So it's it's an elaboration on what I did last time, basically. Oh, I, I like that. I like calling it seven forces because, for me, that kind of brings it back to 
the collective action to the com to the common mission or the common goal. Um, you know, kind of putting in forces. And one of the other things you do talk about in the book also, and and it came to my head when you were talking about community ship, like missions and and going off in the community is organizing beyond borders. And we're leadership beyond borders. Okay, so um, you know, organizing beyond borders is that. What did you mean by that? Is a little bit more difficult? Are we talking about? I mean, we have complex organizations today that do go beyond borders. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that the greatest change in recent times, uh, that by that I mean decades. My perspective is not months or years. So mm-hmm. much is, but but the the greatest change in in organizations in recent times has been the opening up of the borders of organizations. They used to be very rigid. I don't know how many people realize that the most popular strategies up to recent times, in, in say, say the last century up to quite recent times, has been diversification and vertical integration. Um, and what both of those mean is you bring other organizations inside your own boundaries. For example, General Motors might buy a battery plant, let's say, to supply itself with batteries instead of buying them on the market, or or it might diversify into into uh, lawnmowers or whatever new division to do lawnmowers or whatever. So, so those were common strategies, but they were absolutely adherent to the existing borders. You brought them into your company. In the last few decades, we've done exactly the opposite with a with a vengeance. We've opened up the borders. We all talk about outsourcing, which is the opposite of vertically integrated. Integrating, we we outsource. We always outsource things like legal services, but but now we could be, you know, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Amazon outsources a lot of its uh, listing on uh, on its website. I, mm-hmm. I think too much so. Mm-hmm. I think they've lost control of it, but they've outsourced a lot of that. Um, and, and companies are outsourcing in all kinds of other ways. They're developing joint ventures with each other. You know, aircraft companies uh, uh, often don't produce new aircraft by themselves. They do it in partnerships. Um, so, so we get a lot of joint ventures going on. Films, you know, so many joint ventures among different film companies and so on. Um, you know, all kinds of associations and affiliations. Uh, you know, chambers of commerce are a form uh, of association among local businesses, for mm-hmm. example. So we, we form all kinds of different things now and really open up the border. And that, of course, opens up leadership. Yeah. It takes leadership beyond uh, beyond even even national borders. <laughs> and that's kind of, you talk a little bit about um, that. Is that kind of what you see that's kind of the, the organizations evolving from focusing inward to outward? You know, and 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 just opening up and being more welcoming. Um, that's you talk about that. This is this uh, organizing behind borders in your book. Is or what? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. For example, I, I went into a factory once, and and I was told that the workers in blue worked for the company, and the workers in green worked for another company, and were paid by another company. They were doing the same thing. Okay. So so, and we have that now in healthcare. Uh, more and more is on the on the news recently that a lot of nurses are quitting hospitals and going to work for hospital t- for nursing agencies who in turn uh, you know uh, sell their services back to hospitals. Yeah. Um, so though that's an example of, of of kind of those 
those sorts of things going on uh, quite a bit. And if the hospitals can't keep their own nurses, then they have to open their borders to hiring nurses. You know, maybe they maybe they wear blue instead of green or green instead of blue so they can be told from the ones there. But they're doing the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just wanted one last question. You talk about decades, okay, which 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 I think is really important, these changes, because we've we've got this global economy going on. Um, then, then uh, you know, uh, you can't ignore the pandemic, okay? So, you know, all of a sudden, everything shut down. Organizations were frozen. You know, some of them were working better than other ones. Um, and, of course, it was quite industry-focused, okay, also. Um, what... Did the pandemic on organizations themselves have any, you know, major effect that you absolutely saw during those two and a half years? And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about being able to work virtually. So, you know, everybody knows that kind of but more set in the organization and and reaching that common goal. Well, I do want to say something. Uh, I'll say something else. But I do want to say something about virtually, because if by staying at home, you're pushing the organization away from a machine, if that's what it is, and even mm. away, especially away from a project organization yeah. to a professional organization, because now people are working individually, quite isolated at home, the way I describe most professionals working, even even when they're doing their professional work in, a, in an institution. Um, so it does have the effect of driving organizations toward more of a professional organization. The bigger effect might be on community and culture, um, because um, with people spending less time in the office, look, you, you don't bump into people at the coffee machine at home. Um, and, and when a Skype call or, or, a, or a, a Zoom call ends, we don't stay around to chat. Um, and, and a lot of what happens in organizations, a lot of the creativity and flexibility and, and, and collaboration happen in these times. So the uh, companies aren't dumb to insist that their workers spend some time at the office. It's too big a price. Everybody loves to work at home, me more than anybody, but I'm a professional. I'm a professor, so I can work at home because it doesn't much matter in terms of what I do. I, you know, no, no one's writing books in the office. I can write books at home <laughs> um, just as easily, far more easily, in fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that's interesting. So, um, Henry, we're getting towards the end of the show, so I just, uh, um, you know, to kind of to kind of put this all together because the the book's great. It's really interesting, um, and you know, I like what you said about that how working at home is pushing them into a different kind of organization. I didn't really think about that. Um, so, you know, you talk about paving pathways to design the organization. So now we're all sitting here um, as professionals. Okay, what, what, what do we have to do to the future to make the best of our organizations? What kind of suggestions, takeaways do you have for our, our listeners for today? Um, and they can all get the book, and I really recommend the book. It's available on Amazon, but just kind of a, a wrap-up and a, a word of advice from Henry. <laughs> well, I call this design doing. Um, mm -hmm. uh, people talk about design thinking, but I think design doing is more to the point. Um, usually, we're, usually structures are imposed on us. We work in an organization, and some people sit in some executive office, and they restructure. It's, it's the way a government... Redesign. It's the way a, 
a head of state, you know, a president redesigns the cabinet. You know, we'll put this person here and that person there. Uh, she goes to transport, he goes to uh, defense, and so on and so forth. It's so easy to do. That's why restructuring is so easy for those people, um, because they can just sit and move everything around on a piece of paper. It drives everybody crazy, but that's not their problem. They're just designing the structure. <laughs> So design doing, I use the the metaphor of paving pathways, and the story actually comes from Prague, um, which is uh, I lived in a place in Prague where they built a a new park uh, between a place where I used to walk down the hill to a bridge, but and the park was on the way to the bridge, and they paved the pathway in an S form. Um, And well, people weren't about to follow an S form to get from one place to another, so they walked straight. And what they did, in effect, was make a new pathway out of earth instead of asphalt. And um, and they paved their own pathways. We need to pave our pathways in organizations. In other words, we need to give people a chance to work together, see how they can work together, and then formalize that according to what works, rather than somebody sitting in a distant office saying, this is how you're going to work with these people. Yeah. Great, great, super final advice. Um, um, I really like that. And and being located in Prague, I can Prague, I can relate to that. Um, <laughs> and it, it's very typical Czech. Also, they'll do it one way, and everybody does everything the other way. Anyways, so okay. Um, <laughs> no, well, thank great, great words, and um, you know, great book. So again, for our listeners, we've been talking with Henry Minsberg, and he's the author and co-author of twenty-one books. And we've been talking about his latest book. It's called Understanding Organizations finally structuring in sevens um it's available on amazon um for any professional out there a really great read so please go get it and henry is a cleghorn professor of management studies at mcgill university montreal he's the winner of many prestigious awards including those in management from harvard business review and the academy of management and he is the recipient of 21 honorary degrees from around the world now if you'd like to reach out to henry you can reach out to him on www.minsberg.org, and that is spelled M-I-N-Z-B-E-R-G. T-Z. 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 I'm sorry. Okay. M-I-N-T-Z-B-E-R-G. Sorry about that. Um, getting dyslexic here. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, you can reach him on, on uh, Henry Minsberg on LinkedIn and also on Twitter under at Minsberg 141. And if you want to learn a little bit about what he's doing, you can go to the website on rebalancingsociety.org. So please do reach out to Henry. Again, www.minsberg.org, M-I-N-T-Z-B-E-R-G. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. They hold learning series Thursdays at 1700 CET, and they also have live conferences, and the next conference is the 22nd to 25th in, of October in Porto, Portugal. They also have a fantastic uh, free learning platform, e-learning platform for entrepreneurs and founders. And it takes you from idea to exit. So please go to www 
www.cinda.org to look at that and go under Cinda for Startups to find out about that platform. So, Henry, really informative. Thank you. Great last tip. I love the paving the pathway. pathway. Super, super example. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go find your pathway. I think I know where it is. So, thank you. Um, really informative. Uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us uh, today. And thank you, Kimberly. It was a great pleasure. Terrific questions. Okay, great. And again, for our listeners, please go to Amazon, Understanding Organizations, Filing, Structuring in Sevens. You can find it there, and it's a great read, so please go get it. And with that, thank you for listening this week. And remember, please listen to us every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us, don't worry. We are all over the web. Just look for Leadership Beyond Borders. And with that, tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.